Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. All right, we're in Jonah, chapter 1. The message today, the title is How Far? How many people have read the four chapters of Jonah ever? You've read the book of Jonah. Okay, so there's some that haven't. All right, well, you're in for a trip today. We're going to take a trip on a ship. But I want to pray that today God uses this message to penetrate the depths of our heart more than anything else, that he gets deep into our heart uh, with the message today. So let's pray. Father, I pray as we look at the book of Jonah that you would touch us in the places and the deep recesses of our heart that you want to touch. I pray, Lord, that we will see more of you by the end of the message and less of ourselves. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the purpose of today's message really came as a result of Elder Bill's eye infection. He was supposed to teach today. And I was praying, like, what should I teach on today? I didn't really know. And I was thinking about his eye infection. But Jonah, like you and I, have a problem. We're infected with too much of I, too much of me, too much of we, and not enough of he. So, so many times it's all about us or the close group of people we're with and not so much concern about him, about Jesus. Now, a person in school had come up to me, one of the teachers that I've been teaching with for a while, and he said, Vinny, you're a born-again Christian, right? I said, yes. And he goes, well, do you take the Bible literally? And I said, of course. He goes, you believe everything in the Bible in a literal sense? I said, absolutely. He goes, even the story of Jonah? I said, oh, yeah, especially the story of Jonah. He goes, that means you believe that there was a fish that swallowed this guy, and that spit him up on dry land and all that. I said, absolutely. He goes, you think that really happened? I said, yes. It's in God's word. He said it. Even Jesus referred to it in the Old Testament. Well, he says, Vinny, let me ask you this. If you die and you go to heaven and Jonah is not there, how are you going to explain that? What are you going to say? I, and then I turned to him. I said, well, you then... You ask him. (laughs) When we read the Bible, it's very important to understand that what God says he means, and the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. A working knowledge from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the great things I love in all the years I've been with Calvary Chapel is their verse-by-verse teaching in the Scriptures. So here's a neat thing that somebody said. If the literal sense makes good sense, 
then seek no other sense lest you come up with nonsense. And that's a pretty good rule of thumb. So as we look in Jonah, we're going to start off in chapter 1. So if you follow along with me, please. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Okay, well, we have this guy Jonah, who was the son of Amittai. He appears in two kings, and he's a prophet, prophet from Gath. And I'm going to put up a picture here. You can see Gath is it's about it's only a few miles north of Nazareth over in Israel. He's described as being active in the reign of the second king Jeroboam from 786 to 746 BC. And one of his predictions is that Jeroboam will recover certain lost territories. Now you can see Nazareth was a place that Jesus was born or not born, but lived. Of course, he was born in Bethlehem. But one of the things in the scriptures says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, today, as we look at heart issues, can we say here in this church, can anything good come out of this church? Can anything good come out of you as an individual? And of course, the answer is yes. But anything good founded in Jesus Christ is going to be great. It's going to be great on the impact that it has in the world. Nineveh, part of Iraq. Here's a picture of it up on the screen. Okay, you can see the section. So this is where Jonah is called to go. Verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to it. Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So I want you to take a look. He was called to go to Nineveh to talk to the Assyrian people. Now the Assyrians were vicious. They were enemies of the Jews. It would be like uh, uh, Hitler. Or it would be like ISIS, going to talk to these guys, the Third Reich, or ISIS, and trying to talk to them. Who would want to go? If you were called to go, would you go? Well, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh by the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord telling you and I to do? Do we listen to what he's saying to us when we read his word, when we hear his word today? There's no doubt that God's word never returns void. So if you're here today and your ears are open and your heart is open, God is going to touch you. He's going to speak to you somehow about things that are going on in your life, in the ship that you're sailing, over smooth or troubled waters. He's speaking to you. Are you hearing? Are you listening? Now notice the distance. Joan is going in the other direction, apart from where he's called to by the Lord. How many times do you and I do that if God is putting something on our heart and we go the other way? We fight him on it. Well, we see that one of the things that happens in verse 3 
is that there is a payment that goes on. Jonah had to pay a fare to go on this ship that was going away from the Lord. You and I, because he loves us so much, usually have to pay a price when we run from the voice of the Lord. We don't want to run from the voice of the Lord. We want to go in the direction he wants us to go. In verse 4 it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Maybe you're going through something. Anything. It can be from health to finances to family. Who knows what's going on in your life besides the Lord and your close-knit friends or people that you've shared things with. But maybe the Lord, it feels like your life is broken up. I mean, look at the world today, right? Pastor Joe's uh, prayed the hurricanes, the earthquakes, the riots, all the things that's going on. It's crazy. It's nuts. Things seem like they're falling apart. But notice what the Lord did here. He sent the wind. Why? Why would he send the wind? And we're going to see this in the story of Jonah. It was to get people's attention. It was to wake them up. So they wouldn't perish, so they wouldn't be destroyed. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and laid, laid down and was fast asleep. Are we sleeping as the world around us is perishing? Are we sleeping as the people around us are perishing, are going through things? And those people aren't the born again believers. They're trying to meet the needs and the problems of the day the way they think they can fix it. Just like these sailors threw the cargo overboard. They thought that was going to help calm the seas. All the time, Jonah had the answer, just like you and I had the answer. The answer, of course, is he, Jesus Christ. It's not me, it's not we, it's he. It's him. It's Jesus. He's the only answer. Do we understand that, though? Because Jonah believed in God. He knew God's word, as we're going to see. But he went down. He was still running. He went down into the belly of the ship, and he fell asleep. He was sleeping while the world was perishing around him. What is it that God is calling you and me to do in this world today where so many people are perishing? They don't have answers. They have no hope doesn't matter where you are. You're all in a position to touch other people's lives where me, and if I point to anybody, couldn't touch the same people that you have the opportunity to touch. We see in chapter 1, as, I, as I'm reading, I'll keep this up here through the different cha chapters, there's a word that comes to Jonah. The word comes to you. Are you available to receive it? And it might not always be the word you want to hear. It's not a flowery, fluffy thing. Sometimes you're going to hear things here from this pulpit through the different people that are up here teaching that you don't like to hear. But that's okay because it's from God's heart to us. It's coming from Him. I know I've run from God. How many of you have run from God in your lifetime since you found out about Him? 
Are you still running? Understand like what Jonah is going to confront with is going to be consequences. There's going to be a sacrifice or sacrifices made, but also out of it can be salvation. So we see in verse 4 that this great wind came. And we see in verse 5 that Jonah had gone down into the belly of the ship and he was sleeping. Verse 6, so the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. So the guys up on the deck, they were praying to their gods. Nothing was happening. The storm was getting worse. But the captain knew there was one guy they still didn't go to. So they were trying everything they could to see if they could calm the storm. So they, he goes down to find Jonah. Verse 7, and they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. The grace of God. The grace of God. It fell on Jonah, the one who knew the true God. God loved those people on the ship so much that he allowed the lot to fall to Jonah. The deck was stacked. It was stacked. They said to him, please tell us in verse 8, for whose cause is this trouble upon us and what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people, of what people are you? So Jonah answers and he said, so he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, here is a great testimony by Jonah, right? He's telling the people who he is. He's not ashamed. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a born-again Christian. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. But notice at what point that Jonah made this confession. He makes a confession when everything else is falling apart around him, and he has to be confronted by the captain. He didn't come forward freely and say, listen, I know the God of the sea and of the heavens. Let's pray to him. It was a last resort. Are we last resort Christians? Or are we, are, are we on the deck ready to go at all hours of the day and night? Are we ready to go? Are we ready to reach out to our fellow man whether we know them or not? These guys were strangers on this boat to Jonah. He didn't know them. He didn't know them. Verse 10, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. He was honest. He was open. And they were saying, Why would you do this, Jonah? Why would you run from the Lord? It didn't make sense to non-believers why a believer would run from the Lord. Why are you running? Why do I run? Why do we run from the one who loves us so much that he gave his only son? Why do we run? It's in our nature. It's in that sin nature. It's in that flesh that God tells us to crucify. Verse 11, Then, he, then they said to him, What shall we do? Do to you that the sea may be calm for us. For the sea was growing more 
contemptuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Jonah was willing to be sacrificed to save these guys. What are you and I willing to do to save and reach out to the human race? Because you will have those opportunities when you leave here today. You will have that opportunity in school tomorrow, you young people, or in college tomorrow, or in the workforce tomorrow. Or if you're retired in your retirement community, you will have that opportunity. So here's Jonah saying, pick me up. And he says, that not only pick me up and throw me over, but things are going to calm down when you do that. But notice the reaction of the men in 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Tells you something about these guys. They, they didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They were trying in their own efforts to solve the problem. Can anybody identify can we identify with that, trying to solve things in our own efforts? Absolutely. We, can all, we all know that we're like this. Verse 14, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Notice now whose Lord they're addressing. They're not addressing a false god anymore. They're addressing the, God, addressing the God of Jonah, who they realize is in control. So Jonah, even though he's running, has an influence on the people that are in his life. Does not matter where you are in your walk or run from the Lord. Doesn't matter. God wants to use you where you are. That's very important for, for all of us to understand. He realizes your potential. With him guiding you. He realizes your potential. The question is, how far? The title of the message is, how far? How far do you want to go in the depths with the Lord? Or, how far do you want to run from him? There is an answer to the question. There's no neutrality. By standing still, you're going further and further away. You've got to understand that. By staying where we are, we're going further and further away. It has to be an active pursuit. The Bible says as we draw closer to God, he will draw closer to us. That's his promise. How far do you want to go in your relationship with the Lord, or how far are you willing to run away? So after these guys prayed, in verse 15, they picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. It calmed down as soon as they threw him overboard. As soon as he was cast into the sea, the problem started becoming calmer. How about you and I? What we're going through in a negative way now, whatever it is, are you willing to cast it overboard? so that the Lord can be the captain of your life and he can start calming down the situation. Does it mean the situation will necessarily go away? No, it does not. That would be a lie if I told you that. This is not name it and claim it. It isn't. It doesn't work. 
Never has, never will. However, whether God removes a situation from you or, or you have to go through it, understand there is value in what's going on. We haven't heard all the stories from the hurricane and the earthquake of life-changing moments of believers being made through what's going on or believers reaching out and helping the millions of people that will be devastated for months and years. This is the opportunity for the believers in Christ to, to touch lives. And they are. They always do. Because they're servants like Jesus Christ. They're not Christians in name only. They're Christians in their actions. They don't fall asleep while the world around them needs them. Then the men, in verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Many people believe that it, this is a verse saying these guys came to know Him as their God, as their Savior. They put their trust in Him. All their gods failed. The one true God came through. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish, Three days and three nights. As we go to chapter 2, can this take place? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is there a God big enough that can create a situation where a man could be swallowed by a fish? Absolutely. They found, it at, they found a whole person in a shark in the 1800s. Not ripped up, not bitten, just swallowed by, in a shark's belly. He was dead. But he was whole in there. We had watched a movie in the heart of the sea. It was a tr a based on a true story that led to the writing of Moby Dick. And one of the things they did is they were getting the oil from the whales back in the 1800s. And when they got the uh, whale, what they would do is they would send somebody down into the blowhole of the whale. To excrete, they said that's where the treasure was of the oil. That's where the rich oil was. So there was like a 15-year-old boy that they threw right down into the blowhole. And, he, and they, you know, the camera shot, they showed him going in there. And he could move around in the whale. So could it happen? Absolutely. My goodness, the size of some of these sea creatures can definitely happen. So here we have God's grace sends a whale or a great fish. We don't know if it was a whale. It was a great fish. To swallow Jonah. And you might be saying, Pastor Vinny, that's God's grace? Yeah. Because he probably would have drowned out there. And this great fish was a life-saving fish that we're going to see in chapter 2. Chapter 2, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Boy, that must have been like a a sauna. <laughs> if you've ever gone by any shipyard, any water, and it's a still, humid day, and the fish have been out there a while, maybe you smell it at night sometime, that the wind's blowing a certain way, it stinks. Can you imagine being in the belly of a fish and notice that he prayed? Now, he was on a nice ship in the belly of the ship, and he was falling asleep. 
but he prayed in the belly of this fish. What does it take in your life and my life to get serious with God? Can we do it on a normal, beautiful Sunday with this beautiful weather? Or does it take something that shakes our lives? Many of us went through Sandy and, you know, some of the devastation that that took place. We can relate somewhat to the people in the islands and Florida and Texas, what they're going through. Did we pray better during the storm than we did during a nice sunny day? Should that be? Should it be? Should we pray the same way all the time to our God? With an intent heart, with a passion, with a focus? Absolutely. Why don't we? Talk about stinky situations. It's our stinking flesh. It smells worse than rotten fish. We need to crucify our flesh every year. No. Every decade? Supposed to crucify our flesh every day. Every day we have to crucify our flesh. Don't allow it to surface because it stinks. We've got to crucify it. And God tells us to do that. And here we're going to see some of the prayers. We're going to say, hey, Jonah knew his Bible. Because some of the prayers I'm going to read right now are from the Psalms. So this was a guy who knew his word. If you look in the Psalms, you're going to see almost exact the same prayer that Jonah prayed. So here's Jonah's prayer in verse 2 from the belly of the fish. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. That's from Psalm 120 and Psalm 65. I don't think Jonah had a Bible in the belly of the fish. I don't think he had his uh, pocket Bible. Okay. He knew it. It was in his heart. He hid his word in his heart. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and, you're, and you heard my voice. Verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me. And your billows and your waves passed over me. That's from Psalm 88. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight. Psalm 31. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings or the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Notice his heart is turning, isn't it? His heart is now directed back to the Lord. He knows the Lord is hearing him. He knows he has a God, whether on dry land or in the sea or in the belly of a situation that seems unimaginable, that God will hear when you cry out to him. Verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Yes, those sailors on the ship found out their idols were worthless. What are the idols in our life that we think are keeping us going? 
What is it with me that I think I'm controlling? What is it with we that we think we can control a situation together? But it's only He that can do it. It's His will, not ours. It's according to His plan, not ours. We're finite. We don't know the answers. We don't know the outcome of a good situation that could turn bad. Or a bad start that can turn good. He does. We need to be plugged in with Him 24-7, 365, all the time. There's so many things in this world that's trying to vie for your attention and my attention to get our eyes off our God. They become gods in our life. We put them between our God and ourselves. They distract us. They take our eyes off our Savior. Verse 9, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And that last verse is Jehovah in the Hebrew. Salvation is of the Lord. Jehovah. It's right there. Jehovah is right there in the Old Testament in chapter 2 of Jonah. He is our salvation. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given to men that we can be saved except the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the heaven and the earth, the creator of every little part of you and every little part of me, every big part of you, every big part of me. Things that we don't even see right now that are making us stay alive. He knows the intricate detail of everything going on within us. Verse 10, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, most likely the sea that he was in was the Mediterranean Sea. It vomited him onto dry land. I always thought it vomited right into Nineveh, right into Iraq. But that's about 400 miles from the Mediterranean. Can you imagine the projectile that would have been? That would have been a great adventure. That would have been a price of a ticket to fly that way. So Jonah now not only got vomited out of the mouth of the fish. He now has a journey he has to take. He can't get on a train, a plane, or an automobile. He's got to hitchhike and hope that a mule or a horse or somebody picks him up. But he's got to get there, and it's a distance. So what is he thinking during this trip? Because now, because of the circumstances that God allowed in his life, he's listening to the Lord. So, in chapter 2, what is the Lord trying to do to get your attention and my attention? Are you humble about your walk with the Lord? Are you listening? Do you realize He wants to speak to you? Or are you too, too um, puffed up to think that He wants to speak to you? He wants us to be simple in our walk with Him. Just simply walk with your God. Know that He is God. Just know He's God. And trust Him and obey Him. You might be in a position like Jonah that you need to start over. Well, the God of grace says, well, start over now. You don't have to wait till you're a projectile. You can start over today in the midst of what you're going through. Start over today. He's right there with you. He wants to go through this with you, whatever that may be. Why? Because it's His grace. 
It's his grace that he gives us as a result of Christ's death on the cross. Without Jesus dying on the cross, there's no grace. There's no opportunity. We're all stinking, rotten sinners that are going to get worse and worse in the odors of life. It's just going to happen. But because Jesus are in our life, we can be a sweet-smelling aroma, not only to him, but to the people in the world he puts us in. Let's go to chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Boy, the word of the Lord came to me thousands of times in my lifetime. Thousands. Why? Because he cares about every single individual that he's created. Why a thousand times or more to me? Because I'm thick-headed and stupid. That's why I'm thick-headed and stupid. The word of the Lord is always there. Are we taking advantage of it? Are we listening? doesn't matter how young or old you are. These are temporary bodies, everybody. We're not going to have them forever. We're going to get new ones, better ones. We're on that road now. Understand that Jesus is telling the truth. You will get a new body that will never age, that will never decay, that will never smell. That's his promise. Verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Like once you got there and went around, it would take three days to go all through the city. That's how big it was. It was a walled city. You could drive three or four chariots across the top of it. Huge. Verse 4, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Based on what the citizens of Nineveh do, Jonah probably said a lot more than just these eight words. However, we're given these eight words, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But notice what takes place in verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. From the highest to the lowest in the land, they became uncomfortable. They didn't want their worldly possessions right now to comfort them. Maybe that was part of their gods, that they thought they had the comfort. Everything was going okay. But now what do they do? They go and they act. They show a form of repentance. They believed in the God that Jonah was telling them. They believed in that God that Jonah was running from because of the enemy, because of this group of people and their military and their government that was contrary to God, that went against God. Verse 7, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. 
But let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. There was a repentance going on. There was a trust in the God of Jonah. They trusted in the God of Jonah. Up until this time, one of their main gods was a fish god. Interesting. That God would use a fish to capture one of his own's heart to send him to a place that worshipped a fish. Now they say Jonah, because of the gastric juices inside the fish, was bleached. So maybe that was a mark that Jonah had, and people heard this story, because remember, he had to walk a few hundred miles, so news travels of some guy being vomited by a fish, and he's coming to Nineveh. Maybe it was the biggest thing that happened in Nineveh in a while. I don't know if they have rock bands and stuff like that, but Jonah's coming to Nineveh. So they're getting ready, and now they see this guy preaching these words. Verse 9, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? So they had a hope that the God who was going to wipe them out would turn and allow them to live. Verse 10, then God saw their works, faith, without works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. We can say we're believers. We can talk the talk. But can we walk the talk? Is it in our actions? Is it in our works? Works don't save us, but it's definitely the symptoms of a person who's saved, right? It's in our actions that we show who we are in Christ. And notice they saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. A lot of people believe because of the amount of believers that were praying that God has spared this land for an an amount of time. The United States of America I'm referring to. Because we prayed to the same God that Jonah prayed to. But that same God that Jonah prayed to, understand, loves the people in Iran as he does the people in New Jersey. No different. Just like he loved those sailors on the ship, he loves every person he's ever created, good or bad, born again or not born again. So in chapter 3, we see that God's word comes again. It's not a one-time thing. People believed. Many of you have already done that. You've believed and trusted in God. You've taken action because you repented and followed the Lord. You know what? It's not so much having to give up everything that you used to do. Instead of following that, you are now following Him. 
It's no longer about me. It's no longer about we. It's about he. He's the governing person in our life. It's not the things that itch our ears or tintillate at our flesh. It's him. It's him. It's all about him. It's history. It's his story. I'm part of that history lesson. I'm part of his story. And notice the Lord relents when people come to him. So where are you today in your walk with the Lord? Just come to him. He's ready to receive you like the prodigal father was ready to receive or the prodigal son. And as we jump into the last chapter, verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, but it displeased, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. Wow. He delivers the word of the Lord and he's got a, he still has a heart problem. All the grace and mercy God has shown him now because he preaches God's word and people are repenting, he's ticked off. Ho. Oh, how much junk is still in your heart and my heart? Doesn't take much to show it, right? Can be a person cutting you off on the highway. It can be your boss at work. It can be a student in your class. It can be a teacher of some of the students in here. It just shows the gook that's still in your heart. You guys who play and girls who play different sports or games. You can just be uh, losing the game or a bad call by the referee. That shows the garbage that's still in your heart. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Everybody, if you take anything from today, understand that the God of the universe, that we will meet one day face to face, is a gracious and merciful God. He's already shown grace and mercy to many of us, but understand he wants to show grace and mercy to everybody. Everybody. Doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican. Doesn't. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're atheists, agnostics, or involved in some other type of idol worship. He loves them. He's going to use people to try to reach them. And when governments of the world try to shut down people from evangelizing, guess what he does? He appears to them. He speaks to them in dreams and visions. Man cannot stop Jesus Christ. Can't do it. Impossible. Can't happen. Notice in the uh, second part of verse 2, he's slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Can you imagine if you and I were God? Imagine if Jonah was God? We would have never be reading the story right now. Nineveh would have been toast. How much of the world would have been toast if it was up to you and me being, a, being God? How long-suffering and patient are we with the things or people, more importantly, that God puts in our path? Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die 
than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Think of the questions throughout Scripture that the Lord has asked. Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? He asked his apostles, hey guys, who do they say that I am? How about in the Old Testament? Who's going to go for me? Who can I send? Questions. What question is the Lord asking us today? Asking you today. Do you have an answer? Do you have an answer for it? Or is your answer an excuse? Is the answer that you have an excuse? Jonah had a lot of excuses. He thought in his own mind, in some ways, he was God because he was judging these people. Who is Jonah to judge these people, even though they were vicious? The enemy of our souls steals, kills, and destroys. The enemy of our soul steals, kills, and destroys. And if you're influenced by the enemy, anyone influenced by the devil is going to be vicious. They're going to be mean. There's going to be problems in relationships. God came to give His life and to give it to us abundantly. But if they're not plugged in with God, there's going to be a lot of imbalance in, in lives. Verse 5, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He was hoping that these people were going to be turned into toast. He was hoping. He's going up getting box seats, upper box seats, to watch the, the 4th of July show. That's what he was hoping. Where, if his heart was right, he would have been right in there ministering to the people. He would have been doing whatever he could in Nineveh, starting churches, teaching God's word to the people. But instead, he isolated himself. Do we isolate ourselves from the people that we can have influence on? Hopefully not. But if we do, change it. When? Now. Right now. Change it. Change it in your heart, because that's where it is. It's in the depths of your heart. How far are you willing to go? Verse 6, and the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. <laughs> Do you see the irony here? Do you see the hypocrisy here? Here's Jonah going up that the heat will be turned on the people in Nineveh. And what happens? There's heat being turned on Jonah with the sun, and God shows his grace and puts a plant. And Jonah likes that. He's comforted. He's in a comfort zone now. Is he thinking about them? Who's he thinking about? Me. Him. I. He's not thinking of these people, these millions of people who could be toasted. He's just thinking about himself and his comfort that his little bitty head has some shade on. 
Verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. It's all about Jonah. It's all about Jonah. His name means dove. And you think of dove, you think of a nice white bird, peace. But in his heart, it was gook. It was fish stink. It wasn't good. God was not only reaching the people in Nineveh, he was trying to reach Jonah. Remember, Jonah was his man, his prophet. He's not done with you and I yet. How far do we want Jesus to keep working and changing our hearts to be more like him? He's not done with us. I don't care how young or old you are. doesn't matter the age. These bodies are temporary, but he's eternal. He's always working on us. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, it is, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. Where is Jonah's humility with the living God that he's communicating with? God sent Jonah a, a, a fish. He sent him a wind. He sent him a plan. He sent him a worm. Jonah's not hearing. He's not listening. But he's receiving some grace from the Lord. It's the last time we hear from Jonah. Look at his last words. Is it right for me to be angry? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. That's the last words we hear from Jonah. That's it. Is that the words that you want to have people remember you by? Are those life-giving words? Are those selfish words? Are those me words and I words and we words? Yes, yes, yes. But, verse 10, as we close, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? These people had no moral compass. They were following a fish god. How do you follow a fish god? Do you go swimming all the time? Do you dive under the... Like, how do you follow a fish god? Is there a fish manual? I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But our God has given us His manual. The Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. In chapter 4, we see self-righteousness. How it can make us drown. Self-pity can make us drown. Self-gratification can make us drown. Self-appeasement, making excuses. We need to throw all that stuff overboard. In the hallway the other day, teachers were talking about the different generations. So I just looked this up real brief. 
19, if you're born in 1945 and before, you're traditionalist. You're the silent generation. Now, I know my dad was born way before that, served in World War II, never told me about the war, never shared about the things that he saw when he was stationed in the Pacific. Silent generation. What does that mean? Communication? You know, why we call silent. Are we, but I want to apply this to us as we close. Are we silent about the things that God can do to this generation, to all the people in it? Then you have 1946 to 64, the baby boomers, right on baby boomers. That's, I'm in that one. But you know, the baby boomers were the peace, love, anything goes generation. But a lot of that falls into every generation that ever lived. And does anybody real, does people stay babies, spiritually speaking? Most people do, until they know God's word and put it in their heart. And then you have the 65 to 76, the Generation X. Does that mean they just don't count? No, of course not. They come up with these letters. 77 to 95, the millennials and Generation Y. And my question was, why do they call it millennials? It should be me-lennials, M-E instead of M-I. Because it's always about individual people. It's the heart of man to be centered around I. And then 1996 or later is Generation Z or the I generation or the centennials. Well, we close on this. This is just some headlines from recent newspaper articles. There was after-school Satan Club flopped. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Supermarket World's, a supermarket world's first to offer a cashless checkout with just the finger vein scan. You just put your finger there, and it scans your, the veins in your fingers, and that goes right to your bank account and stuff like that. Our media is really no different from media in any dictatorship or communist regime. Talking about false news, all this stuff that's going on, how do you know what to believe? And we talked about this one time with the signs of the times. There's false news and there's the good news. We have the newspaper right here. Tells us everything we need to know. There's an apostasy in the Christian church. There's a sabotage of Christianity from within. They get away from the Old and the New Testament. They pick and choose the things that they're teaching in their churches. Instead of going through the whole word of God, they pick and choose what they want the people to hear. And as Pastor Joe had said a few days ago, you know, the world was supposed to end. God's word is true. There's no other word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father through him. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. 
On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.